you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin the Addisons. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sweet Victory and J-Mac are back on tap, and so we're happy to have them back. Um, <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for listening. All right. Um, Listen, yesterday I came out of the gate a little bit fast, <laughs> maybe a little bit, you know, as they say in the media industry, music in particular, a little hot, you know, mm-hmm, like kind mm-hmm. of loud maybe feedback realm i don't know <laughs> um i'm gonna aim to do better because i think the conversation that we're having is so vital that i don't want it to be lost in my strong conviction mm. that um can sometimes seem like you know yelling i want people to really be able to focus on what i'm saying and think about what i'm saying not mm. just um even be emotionally stirred by it or kind of like um What's the, I don't know, the the word I think of like a pep rally, you know, where it's like, yeah, we got to do it. We got to parent our kids. We got to, you know, <laughs> I, I, I feel like that kind of response only works like during the game. You know what I mean? Like yeah. then you kind of leave the game right. or leave the place where you're being like riled up. Like you just, you oh. know, you just, and I, I don't, I don't want to, um, I don't want to just rile people up and right. then, and then nothing changes because what's happening that grieves me so much. What's happening is that we are, um, we are being reckless with the next generation. Mm. And, and I, I almost, I've kind of developed a little bit of, I just, I, I hesitate to say the next generation because it makes people feel like, they don't need to do anything until that time. Like it, it mm-hmm. almost still feels like something you can push off. What's the next generation, you know? Um, but they're, they're now the next generation is now, right? Yeah. Like, so when we're talking about followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are talking about people who are here right now. And we talk about uh, the advancing of the Lord's church, the mm-hmm. building of the Lord's church, mm-hmm. um, that is indeed made up of children yes. here right now yes. who can hear and understand and respond to the gospel. And so yesterday, um, our discussion was parents, we must do our job. And my encouragement and hopefully um, well received challenge was that we've got to have a biblical approach to understanding what our greatest job is as a parent. Like, I mean, to understand what is of first importance. Mm -hmm. What's the thing that we've got to do first? Now, it may not be, of course, it can't be the only thing that we do because the Lord also expects us to to nurture and to provide for the felt needs of our children, to be there for those emotional needs and and all of those things. We are expected to do that, that they would be able to live Um, in the culture that they exist in. We've got to ready them for that. All of that is laid out in scripture. That's not a surprise that parents are expected to do all of those things. It's also not a surprise, and it's also laid out in scripture, that God's expectation of parents 
was that they would first, through their children, mm-hmm. proliferate the knowledge of him in the earth. That's right. That the gospel would be handed down yes. to the children from the parents in the context of the family. Yes. Like that, that should be the first uh, place that our children hear the gospel. And, yeah. you know, you see that in the Old Testament, it's so, it so uh, points out that fact in the Old Testament when you see it in Deuteronomy and in uh, Exodus. So the knowledge of God pre- yeah, preserved. It, yes. it just, and, and, and another thing with that, because we were talking about this yesterday, you know, there's a high uh, priority put on the father to hand yeah. it down, you know. Yeah. In some yeah. places, it's like pointed out mm-hmm. <laughs> that fathers would do that, you know. That's right. so, but yeah, it's, it's on the parents that the gospel would uh, be passed down in the context of family, that it shouldn't be that the child uh, hears about God and the gospel and just, you know, Jesus Christ, what he's done, you know, just first from church. Right. Like church is a... Is now, that's a, revolutionary what yeah. you just said. Oh, yeah, because some people feel like that. that's where I'm going to just bring them to church and they're going to yeah. get it all there, you know? And, and almost kind of feel, I think parents feel... Um, and I, I want us to just think about these things deeply. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not saying this to be ugly. I'm saying this to say we've got to have a conversation. When Pew Research is saying that parents are no longer passing down their religious convictions or passing down their faith, mm-hmm. this is a really big problem. Right. This, this, is a, this is a really big problem. So what we can't have is we cannot have parents thinking themselves virtuous because they carry their kids to church and there their kids in youth group or Sunday school mm-hmm. hear the gospel for the first time. Mm-hmm. No, what, what I strongly suggest is that the first time your kid hears the gospel maybe should be from your knee. Now, okay, they could be sitting at a table. You could be standing. I, I, but <laughs> right, in right, theory, right. you understand we what understand. I'm saying? Like yes. that it's at the earliest time that they hear the gospel. Now, yes. that does not even mean, can I just say this and be very clear about it? That does not even mean that the very first time you present the gospel to your kid, that your kid will immediately understand what you're talking about. Right, right. But that does not change that it's the first time that they hear it, that you are the one, that you parents are the ones presenting the gospel. Um, This idea, this, uh, this myth that is communicated by secularists who want the hearts and minds of our children, by the way, okay, the myth that is communicated that um, that parents should allow their kids to remain a blank slate and not muddy the waters with their religion, just allow kids to, you know, have a fighting chance at being neutral <laughs> in culture and allow them to be. This is a myth. It is. This is a lie. Okay. So any parent who buys into this thinking that, Man, well, I just. It's <clears throat> a setup for so- failure. Oh my goodness! It's a setup for the things that you really don't want. If you if you're exactly. saying that, okay, I'm just gonna let them fend for themselves. You know, kind of neutral. Want them to just kind of learn. Man, you they're gonna end up with what you don't want them to have. Yeah, there no there you know? no blank slates. Right. There's no neutral ground, and and so this idea and and by the way, it's an idea that has um has spread. Because you've got people who have the megaphones and culture mm-hmm. and have the hearts and the minds and the ears of parents, right? And so then every parent wants to be progressive and fresh 
and doing the good new thing. You know, we all we all want to be the, you know, the Dr. Spocks, if you will, like knowing how to do what's the latest thing that we need to be doing in parenting. And so this idea that you need to raise healthy kids who are not weighed down with your religious tradition, mm. okay, has come from those who have no religious tradition. Mm. Those who, hmm. and by the way, and let me also say this, have no religious tradition and yet are still proliferating a type of religion. Oh, it is yeah. secularism. Oh, it is yeah. secularism. This is, this, is, this is what we're observing in culture. So this idea that kids are just going to grow up like these, you know, dry erase boards that just hmm. ever have this sheen. You know, you, you first time you get the dry erase board, you don't even really want to write on it because it's like so shiny and, and just and it never really looks new. I don't care how many times you try to clean it, you know, whatever. It, there's always just something that's not fresh out of the package. Our kids are living in a time where there are all kinds of conflicting messages. And I do mean conflicting messages. If you're a Christian, your kid exists in a world where there are conflicting messages that are being written on that dry erase board. And mm. so this idea that you are going to just keep it clean and, and sheeny, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and just nothing written on there. I just made that up. Um, <laughs> it's, All it's, right. the, it's the cool way to say shiny. Okay. So you, you think that you're going to keep it that way is not going to happen. So right. um, having laid all of that out, my, <laughs> my strong unapologetic encouragement and challenge is come on parents. Like we, we have to do our job. Mm. We have to get the gospel to our kids intact. We are their first line of defense. Mm. We, we stand between them and the culture. We stand between them and destruction. We who have received and accepted and believed the gospel. We believe the truth. We are to deliver to them just as the apostle Paul did to the Corinthians. We are to deliver to them what is of first importance. And Amen. we live in a culture now that is undeniably reflective of the fact or indicative of the fact that we have not done that. We have not. So remember, these kids have not been grown in a lab. Mm. OK, right. so 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 as as adults, when we see them, you know, behaving badly and all of the various ways that they do that and we're lamenting this and we're just like, oh, I can't believe I don't know where my country is going. I don't know what, what are these like I, I, I am compelled to remind parents that all of these people, these bad actors, these characters that we're just like, oh, why don't they all just move to one state and then we can just kind of like rope it off and then say, you know, all of those people grew up in somebody's home. Mm. They sat around somebody's table. Mm. They were or were not a part of somebody's Bible study or youth group or something, whatever, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying is we as parents have been um, we have been misinformed. And we've believed a collective lie, right, that we should kind of take our hands off. We're ill-equipped. We believe this in the way that we educate our kids. Um, I think it was one of our callers who came, who called in and made such a great point. Um, and I don't remember his name, but I remember the point. And I remember him saying, um, wow, you know, we've been educated in public schools. And they tell us, we, the ones who've been educated by them, that we are not educated enough to be able to educate our kids. <laughs> like, what does that say about the education right. that we've received? Right. Right. But what the point that I'm making at, at this moment <laughs> is that all of those things tend to kind of um, flow out into the way that we navigate as parents mm. collectively in, in the various areas of our life. We are made to feel 
Like we just can't do certain things. Mm. So we cannot educate our kids, right? Then we cannot teach them doctrine. We can't teach them theology. We we can't present the gospel. We need the youth pastor to be able to do that. It's just <laughs> in every area. And we did a show where we kind of unpacked this, that in so many different areas of our lives as parents, we are made to feel that we can't make the right decisions for our kids. We can't train them. We can't equip them. And so we need someone else to do that. We need the experts. We need the experts. Mm. Here, here is the expert. Okay. God. Come on. All right. God. And so, and so what we learn from him through his eternal word is that he believed that parents could do the things that he told them to do. Exactly. I mean, and like, he, he and I know that, that, that sounds, way. he designed it that way. He designed way. it that way. You the know? expectation is in the design. Mm. The expectation is obvious in the proximity of the family. Like you look at how we're living life together. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be shaping the character of our children. We're supposed to be preserving for them the knowledge of God in the earth. We're supposed to make sure that the first time that they learn that there is a God in heaven is from us. Mm. And as much as we love, love, love and adore our Sunday school teachers, as much as we love, love, love and adore the memories we have of our coloring pages and all of the things mm-hmm. that yeah. those things should have just been supplements for what was already happening at home. Yeah. Amen. There should have been a great many kids who were in the Sunday school classes who were like, well, my mom said, yeah. well, yeah. my mom said. And I think what, what that's going to take is a uh, shift in our thinking because the mm-hmm. thinking has been opposite. You yeah. know, I, I know it has been. I, it's been vocalized that, you know, no, they're going to get what they need from the church. And and when we think, first of all, how God has designed this thing that is to be handed down at home yeah. and, and and we have been equipped to do it, you know, uh, I think it's just a, it's a mind shift because mm-hmm. we would tend to lean on who we feel are the most capable. So that right. would be the ministers in the pulpit, all the teachers, the Sunday school teachers. But at the same time, God has given us the ability and the desires and, and the love and everything that we need to to do it at home. And that the mm-hmm. church, which is a valuable piece, very, very valuable, yep. is a supplement to what's happening. Amen. And I'm so glad you said that because I think often when people are listening in on these kinds of conversations that we're having, I think people hear us saying that there's no need for any of the groups that we're mentioning. What Mm -hmm. I'm saying is that if you look at the ripple effects, like Mm -hmm. the influence, right, the closest point of contact is the parent and then everybody else kind of ripples out from there. It's not that you're unnecessary, but but you are not tasked. You are not given the commands that are the proliferation of the gospel, Mm -hmm. that are the 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 uh, maintaining of the knowledge of God or the preservation of the knowledge of God in the earth that is entrusted to parents. People outside of that can work alongside parents, Mm -hmm. but that does not mean that parents are now absolved of that responsibility. It remains theirs first and foremost. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We will be right back. You go before I know that you've even gone to win my war. Your love becomes my grace. me from the dry wilderness and all I did was pray 
Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will and his friend Jessica Battistelli with Defender. So during the break, Will the Great told me that someone from our online chat forum, was it Facebook? Yes. Facebook said, Miki, talk about what happened at the Grammys. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. Uh, why? <laughs> why? Like, why? They Man. They were doing what they always do like you know so on monday morning so on monday morning um you know to to catch up on what i intentionally missed over the weekend i read news articles right like that's my service to the body of christ i read these news articles (laughs) um and and so many of them well maybe so many is an exaggeration but but for quite a few of them i'm just like ridiculous ridiculous Uh, (laughs) you know not clicking on that i don't even care you know like that and then there are some things that i'm just like oh you know and and so then i i want to talk about those things i may save them for later Mm -hmm. um or i may not you know um so i read at least one article where i think it was um I think it was Ted Cruz who tweeted out yes, about the Grammy Cruz. performance. Okay, mm-hmm. so I so I read that article. I also read that that performance was sponsored by Pfizer. <laughs> right. And and and, it's and like dead giveaway. Man, I hate dead to giveaway. say these things, but like none of that is surprising to me. Like so right. so honestly when I when I read the article, first thing that came to my mind, and I'm not saying this to be pious or virtuous. I'm just stating this because it's a fact. Okay? So the two performers who uh, one is like non-binary right. describing and the other is like transgender describing. Wait, so who are they? I have no idea who they are. I, None. I, I just will tell you. People. I have no idea who they are. <laughs> so so the the fact that they performed some type of satanic ritual and all of that was cloaked in this, you know, the the rainbow is the 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 color that we're supposed to like pledge our allegiance to in culture none of that is surprising to me like it's it's amazing i saw someone um post what you know do you notice that every time it's like a a homosexual type artist or whatever is always linked to like satanic you know type Um, of things like lil nas x and you know different it's like then he said you think they're trying to tell us something? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> okay, yes. I got another article here. This actual, okay, this article I actually wanted to bring to discussion, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying, look, <laughs> we have to care about what's going on in culture. So we are watching. I'm, I'm aware of what happened at the Grammys, but I cannot tell you. I, man, I, I can't tell you the last time I saw a Grammys performance like that. I, that I, and it wasn't because there was a, an alarm or an alert or something. You know what I mean? Like I just right. to like sit down. And to watch the Grammys, like, I don't care. Even, and I, I will tell you, I, I read an article. I know that uh, Maverick City Music um, took away four Grammys. And and I just thought, well, I'll keep my opinions to myself. But because you guys said talk about the Grammys, okay, <laughs> here we go then. Um, I kind of personally feel like, so what? Keep keep your Grammys. Like, we don't, you, you know, I, I almost feel like when you start giving out awards to the Christian artists, you start putting a price tag on what they're doing. And, mm. and then I feel like those artists become, you know, up for sale. And and, and I, I think it just draws a whole lot of attention. I was reading one article that said Maverick City Music takes home four Grammys just like Beyonce did. And again, I'm like, <laughs> like, <laughs> what? what? You know, I just, guys, we are in this world, but I'm going to tell you, I, based on what I read, mm-hmm. 
not only from church history, you know, after the after the book of Acts, after the first century, but including the first century. And the, the picture that I get of the body of Christ, of the bride is one of like, man, we're just we really are trying to tolerate the people in the world that we live live with. We want to get them the gospel. But man, we are so vexed by their wickedness. We're it's, not enjoying it's, this. It's We're not insane. loving this. Yeah. And and the problem that I have oh is that I don't see that in the 21st century church in America. I don't mm-hmm. see this whole like, you know, being vexed by what's happening around us or just enduring and saying, Lord mm-hmm. Jesus, where are you? What I see is just just an all out like love of what is happening in this country. And and I see people kind of making it synonymous to what it is to be a Christian in America. It's like, you know, we have our things. That, and, and honestly, and sometimes my thoughts on these things, mm-hmm. I hear my thoughts, you know, and I hear them through other people's ears. And I think that some people probably think of me, oh, Miki, loosen up. You know, like it's okay for them to win an award. It's okay. But if I could just tell you just straight up, like just, you know, not even diluting it a little bit, I don't care. I don't <laughs> care. Like the the Grammys, you know, and, and people who are celebrated there, I do not think that Christians should be looking for the praise of men. Like I do not. And this idea that we've made the accolades of the Grammys sort of like the highest indication that you've done well. Like now you've arrived like Maverick City. Now you've arrived because you got four Grammys on the same night that Beyonce got four Grammys. I just don't think that Jesus is like going. Right. I just don't. And that's me. And, and, and maybe maybe I'm wrong about that. And that's fine. But I just don't I don't have I don't have space for that because I believe that this culture draws you in so that you would desire its approval so Man, that they can then does. tear you up. It's ve- tear it's, you it's, up. It's, it's, look. I was talking to a brother today and we was talking about uh, just this world and how everything is set up to lure you in, to trip you as a believer. Yes. You know, it's like yes. if, if you're of the world, then you don't care. You, you're headlong and, you know, but if you're a believer and you're trying to live, you know, according to the word of God, man, there's so many things that attacking on different angles, yes. you know. And so, you know, like with things like this, I'm with you. I didn't even know. When the you know, it, it, and again, I'm not trying to be pious either, but it's just a fact. I didn't know when it was coming on. I didn't, you know, I used to want to see that back in the day. Oh, but look, come but, on. It, but it's like, man, they they do this. Seem like every year there's some type of display of wickedness that's yes. like really overt, and yes. people don't care anymore because they, they don't have to hide it it's anymore. In their, it's in your face. It's like, yes. this is look, this is what it is, and I'm yes. like, man, you know. All, all, all of this is the conditioning and the preparation for the, the prophecy that we see in Scripture, those things that will happen, those that will happen, even in the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. You, you see that there would have to be some things that portend this, this, this great tribulation, this time where, I mean, just unfettered wickedness is on the earth. Yeah. You, you're going to have to have some building blocks to that. You understand what I'm saying? You're going to have to have some people who are conditioned to to receive certain things and to believe certain things. And I think you see that even now. And so what I am doing my best to do. okay, and and I say this for us as a family um, and what we are doing with our children is we are trying to keep ourselves unstained by this world. 
Now I understand that people feel like that's like, you know, <laughs> oh, you gotta you gotta live a little. I wanna live forever with Jesus. <laughs> I don't wanna on, live man. a little. I wanna live forever with Jesus, okay? Mm. Put that on a bumper sticker. <laughs> don't <laughs> because this world it it draws you in. It's very sensual, all that it has to offer. But I wanna make this point too, because I think um Will the Great, to the point that you were making about whenever there is the the question of homosexuality or transgenderism so any any area of sexual confusion you find the demonic at play right and and that that should be like a huge red flag for mm-hmm. us and so i have this article here that i wanted to bring to our listeners attention because i also took oh man i also took the liberty <laughs> to go to the satanist website mm. um Ugh. again the things i do for you guys because i love you <laughs> the things i know and I, you know i don't want to be like oversaved you know what i mean like just so super saved mm. But I, I am kind of like, oh, Lord, protect my computer. Like, wait, wait. Man, look. <laughs> you know, anyway, I I'm sorry. I just, anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Um, so, so, but here's the story, though, because to the point that you're making, you're not way far out there. Um, this, this is really, this is a spiritual battle that we are in. There are real forces of darkness. We've already talked about this. People can choose to keep ignoring this if they want. Um, but they do that. I mean, I would say to to their own hurt. Like mm. there's these people don't even um, try to conceal themselves or their motives anymore. They they are, as you say, often will be great with a high hand, a high just hand. living their best lives. <laughs> like they're, they're just out here, as we say in New Orleans, in these streets, living <laughs> their best lives. And they mm. do not care that we know who's behind this. Like Satan is not trying to even hide what he's behind because it is now so celebrated in culture that it's it's socially acceptable to mm. just be a little, you know, a little Satan-y. Have a little bit of a, a little evil, you know. You, I mean, that's where we live now, guys. Right. And so, what what is you know incumbent upon us or required of us is that we've got to resist this. We've got to we've got to stand against it. We can't be enamored by the culture. But here's the article. Let me let me share this with you before we run out of too much time. Um, again, and this is in the in well, okay, here we go. Satanic Idaho um, planning a capital ritual to protest a bill criminalizing sex change surgeries for kids. So a Satanist group in Idaho (laughs) is planning a satanic ritual to protest a bill that would protect children from damaging sex change surgeries and hormones and all of this stuff. Okay. So again, it goes back to your question. Like why, why (laughs) does, why is, (laughs) like why do the Satanists, like, (laughs) I don't mean to sound like the church lady, but like why, (laughs) you know, why does the, why does, why does the devil or why do the Satanists, have a vested interest in this. Let me read this article and then I'm going to show you what I found at their website, which I think is just, okay. So a proposed bill in the Idaho legislature that would criminalize the chemical castration and bodily mutilation of children and teens is being proposed by a group of, I'm sorry, being opposed, opposed that matters by a group of Satanists. Okay. Republican State Representative Bruce Skog introduced the uh, Vulnerable Child Protection Act about a week ago today that would make the dispensing of experimental puberty blockers and performing sex change operations on youth, both of which can lead to sterilization, a felony. Mm. If the bill passes both chambers of the state legislature and is signed into law by Governor Brad Little, It would mean anyone convicted of performing such procedures could face up to 10 years in prison. Okay. Um, Now, the Satanists 
in response to this draft legislation, they announced a plan to hold a gender affirming ritual at the state Capitol building as a part of a protest against the bill. Again, look, guys, I do and don't care what people think about me. You know what I mean? I do. in as much as it's only it's necessary when it's necessary to care, I do care when it doesn't matter. I don't care. Okay. So let me say this again. These are the kinds of questions that I would say to parents. You've got to ask yourself if the Satanists are holding rituals Mm -hmm. to ensure that your kids get to mutilate their bodies. Mm. That's a dead giveaway. Are you are you on the right side of this? <laughs> like, you know, it's the same thing with the Satanists and the witches who were having their their ceremonies, you know, against Trump. You can say what you want about <laughs> Trump, giveaway. but I just go, mm, when the witches are standing <laughs> against someone, right? I don't I'm on, I'm know if I side. should be standing yeah. on their side. I'm on the other side. <laughs> so here we are again, parents, parents who are so confused and want to love their kids wildly and madly, right? They don't want mm. the breastplate of righteousness firmly in place. So they just allow their heart to just boom, unfettered, just, you know, follow your heart wherever it leads. Now you have found yourself after having followed your heart uh, in the pentagram or whatever of the Satanists. Okay. So here you are now. I, don't, I guess that's what it is. Um, but the Satanists are, are going to have a ritual to, quote unquote, protect kids, you know, ability to change their gender and to live according to the self that they feel they are. Um, like at some point, you know, do we ever have that place where we say, OK, the enemy has overplayed his hand. That's just too much. Now, come on now. you There's no way. No. Or do we just keep going on? And it seems like that we just keep going on. So so let me read to you now from uh, the Satanist website. Okay, so uh, at the Satanist website, under their, what is, this is satanicministry.com. Satanicministry.com. I cannot make it up for you because I I couldn't be that creative, right? I can't make it up. So satanicministry.com. What is a gender-affirming ritual? Because, you know, inquiring minds want to know, like, what is a gender affirming ritual? So this is at their website. OK, and and just just listen with me if, if, if you can stand it. One of the core affirmation rituals available for members of the Satanic Temple to perform as part of their religious practice is the gender affirming ritual. These rituals serve as both celebration of the self and a declaration of the self and others of one's true identity. Their purpose is to dispel any shame or stigma surrounding one's gender identity due to religious discrimination or cultural ignorance. Now I'm going to, I'm going to jump down cause there's, there's three paragraphs here. Um, but there's one thing that really grabbed me and you guys know, once I get going, I may end up reading all three paragraphs. Okay. I can't find it immediately. Let me just, I'll just keep reading. Many suffer persecution at home. And in public spaces because of their gender and laws and proposed legislation in many states promote harassment and induce mental distress to any individual attempting to receive necessary medical assistance to live wholly and authentically. Okay, now listen to this. This is on the satanic website. Okay, misinformation, religious doctrines that disregard science And the autonomy of others and societal pressures can weigh heavily on any person 
simply seeking to make the best choices for themselves to live their full lives. I'm sorry. Science? Hmm. Science? Wow. Religious doctrines? Like, and, and so, by the way, the website is Satanic Ministry. Dot com. Mm. So if we're if we're sitting here thinking, OK, wait, why do the Satanists care about gender and transition and all of these things? I mean, come on. The answer is in the question. Right. The answer really is in the question. All right. We got to grab the break. We'll come back. We'll open the phone lines. Aaron, the Addison's American Family Radio. I'm aware it's a lot of people that's mad at me. They disagree and attempt to try and embarrass me. I'm getting sick of the Pharisees coming after me. I say what God tell me ain't no way that they could cancel me. For saying that I feel like social media is dangerous. Everybody's sexy, successful, I think they gangster. It's all fun and games until the kids do the same thing and use their cell phone to get everyone on the same wave. It feels strange leaving us in a state of distraught. Why do it feel like my phone be knowing most of my thoughts? Television since a child, so it's all that I've been taught. And how come when I start to research, I'm trying not to get Caught yet it feels weird. Mm. Welcome back. That's one of those I was leaning in a little bit. I was just like, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. I can hear that. Okay, welcome back. This is Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Kirion the Light with Witchcraft, part three. Parents, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step on the title it's of part, that song. Part three, because he has three parts of that. Okay, so who is it again? I'm sorry. Kirion the Light. Kirion the Light. Ka- yeah, K-E-I-R-A-N. Okay. And the name of the song is Witchcraft? Mm-hmm. Part three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just to make sure everybody understands. Just because when some people go to, like, look it up and, and try to find the song, I think, you know, some people are going to be like, I thought he said witchcraft, but that just seems counterintuitive. No, no, it's, it's witchcraft. Yeah, it, yeah, he's making a point. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got it. I'm just helping. I am helping. Uh, parents, we must do our job. Yes. We must do our job. That's what we're talking about today. Um, even as I, I, you know, make mention of the Grammys and, and what was shown on television and, you know, presumably there were kids watching this. This is all by design. This is all on purpose. Um, this is why so many of our children are so troubled. There are so many doors that have been opened. And I understand that people hear me saying that and they're just like, mm, you know, she's crazy. That's fine. <laughs> um, but 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 I do read the Bible. That is fine. And that's that's going to be my response to a lot of people's objections. You know, it's like, mm, but I do read the Bible. OK, I do read the Bible and I do believe it with my entire heart. And I will tell you this. It's not because it makes me feel some way. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't believe it because of an emotional response to it. I believe it because it's factually true. Amen. And, and if you if if people actually take time to read the Bible and understand the historicity of the Bible, they would move away from this idea of belief without any good reason to believe, right? Mm. And and they would move into this space of belief because of the abundance of evidence, mm. because of the abundance. Like if, if you think about it, so, and I mentioned this yesterday, um, you have the Apostle Peter saying, no, we were with him on the mountain when the voice of God spoke from heaven. Mm-hmm. Like we, we were with him when he was transfigured. We are eyewitnesses. You've got Luke in his account, you know, um, I was about to say changing pronouns, but moving from they and them to <laughs> we and us because he is there when these things are happening, these firsthand accounts. Mm. And, and these things are not foreign to the history of the church. And, and when you've got people, when you've got people who are able to say in their own words that we were in a room where Jesus, whom we saw crucified, 
okay, came into that room without a door being opened. <laughs> okay, we, okay, um, were on our way on this road where all of a sudden this bright light, okay, and all of my traveling companions saw this bright light, as Paul retells his testimony at least three times, okay, in mm-hmm. Acts. So, so all of my traveling companions saw this light, but they didn't hear this voice, but I heard this voice, mm. right? And it was our Lord mm. asking why I'm persecuting him. I'm on my way <laughs> to round up followers of the way. So, so maybe you could say he's crazy, right? Like maybe you could say he's crazy and maybe you could say he's masochistic because he loves to be like, you know, stoned, and then dragged outside of a city to die and then get up and go back in. Like mm. maybe you could just say, or maybe it's that they really encounter Jesus Christ. Mm. Maybe yeah. it's that what they told you and me is the truth. And if we live that way with our children and for our children, it changes the way they live. Look, you're not asking them unless of course you are, then this is where you've got to get equipped You're not asking them to come to your sentiment. Hey, I just really like Jesus and I want you to like him too. No, we, we, that's, I'm, I'm not, I'm not asking my kids. Like when I'm, when I'm discipling them, when I'm talking to them about the faith, I'm not asking them to, to come with me and like Jesus. I'm like, oh, you need to meet him. You, Mm. you need to know him when you know Jesus, right? When you encounter him, there is something that, of necessity automatically changes in your life. And our kids in 21st century America can have no less than that. They, they can't, the, the, um, the Sunday and Wednesday Christianity, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> of, of, of early America is not sufficient. It is not sufficient because, and, and if it ever was, it's not sufficient today. Our kids are not equipped for the, for the, the demonic activity that is open air these days mm. in our culture. Mm. Um, I'm going to open the phone lines. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. While those calls are getting queued up, there are a few books. I know um, our listeners, you may get booked out with us, but whenever there's an opportunity for us to say, hey, listen, here are some tools that we have found helpful We just want to pass it on. I'm not saying that you have to read these books. In fact, some of these books I have not read in their entirety. Mm -hmm. They are a resource book for me. So some of these books I refer to when I have a question, I'm like, "Mm, man, is there is there a a concise apologetic response to that question in culture? So I'll go to these books to just find that answer and think about that response. And so I want to recommend these books to you. Some of our listeners may already have them. Um, and so here we go, because we're talking about um, doing our job. Right. And so there are certain tools, certain things that will aid in us doing our jobs among those things, reading and reading the right types of material. OK. Demolishing supposed uh, Bible contradictions. There's a volume one and volume two. It's written by. Uh, well, the general editor is Ken Ham and uh, along with Bodie Hodge. And there's another one that's uh, co-authored by. Ken Ham and Bodie Hodge, and it's the Answers Book Two. Um, over thirty questions on creation, evolution, and the Bible. I'm sharing this with you again. Some of these books can be intimidating, um, especially if you're going to set out to read the entire book. 
but it's also like in a reference format. So you can look for the answers or look for the questions that you have and get a good solid apologetic in there and then kind of like process that and kind of see how, how do you reconcile that to what you understand in scripture so that you can communicate it to your kids without going, well, Ken Ham and them said, you know what I mean? Like how, how yeah. can you answer that and make that a part of your defense? <clears throat> also Ray Comfort has a book, the defender's guide for life's toughest questions. This is uh, Ray Comfort. And then again, Ken Ham and Bodie Hodge. Bodie Hodge is an incredible writer, yeah. by the way. Um, not only have we read his, his articles, his books, used his reference books, uh, but we've interviewed him on this mm-hmm. program. And he is so down to earth and so just, you know, accessible, if mm-hmm. you will, that you will appreciate reading what he writes. Uh, How do we know the Bible is true? And that's co-authored by Ken Ham and Bodie Hodge. And let me just tell you, that's not exhaustive. Those are the first few books I thought to grab in light of this discussion and trying to encourage parents to do their job, to, to be ready to equip your kids, but then also to equip them to be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within them. Mm-hmm. And we call that apologetics. Will the Great, let's go to the phone lines, 888-589-8840. Where do we go first? All right, let's go to Bill in Mississippi. Hi, Bill. Hey, how are you guys today? Hello. Hello, you, you hear me? Yes, sir, we're here. Hello? Oh, okay, I'm sorry. You know, I one, one I want to say I appreciate you guys' ministry, especially for the children. Mm-hmm. I have grandchildren. And they they have this infatuation with Pokemon. Are you familiar with this? Mm. Or what am I missing in this? I, you know, it seems like to me, I just get this bad feeling, very bad feeling about this. Am I wrong? Okay. Well, now let me, there's a, there's two parts to my answer here. Um, I have not researched Pokemon myself, yeah. but I have heard whisperings. And, and what I mean by that, articles and things like that that have been out in the past that really had some uh, there's some questionable things about Pokemon now I I don't want to say um one way or the other because I don't I don't I, <laughs> I was gonna say I don't like to speak in ignorance at least I try not to you know <laughs> um so I tell you what let me let me look into it for you let me let me research it but I, I will say this you know grandpa okay discernment Praise mm-hmm. God for discernment. Praise there are God. certain yeah. things that we don't have to have read a lot of articles, but the Holy Spirit uh, lives inside of us and he gives a strong discernment and, and quickens us Bible word to be able to know um, yes or no on mm-hmm. certain situations. So mm-hmm. I will just say that and then I'll come back to the Pokemon uh, question so that I can answer that intelligibly. Okay. Well, the great, where do we go next? All right, let's go to Stan in Tennessee. Hi, Stan. Hello, how y'all doing? Doing good. My question is, today, right at this time, where's the church? I'm talking about the church, the body of Christ. There's thousands of churches across this land. Why can't, if the churches would mobilize and stand up, if the leaders were these churches, we'd all come together across all ethnic lines. Mm -hmm. There's only one race, that's the human race. So Mm -hmm. if we'd come together arm in arm, black, white, Hispanic, whatever, Mm -hmm. then you wouldn't have a lot of this stuff. I mean, Mm. it's just ridiculous. The the church can't sit behind the four walls. You got to get out and you can't be passive. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Mm. So my question is, tell me, where are the churches? 
Yeah, I think, oh, man, that's that's so beautifully asked, brother. Look, I, yeah. I think the answer to that is that there is a remnant. And and I think it's it's so difficult for us to um, to believe how small <laughs> the representation of the church is in America, Yeah, because for a long time, you know, there was such devotion that was so evident uh, in this country but we have secularized. It's it's not we are secularizing. We have secularized. And so what we have, and I'll be careful here, <clears throat> largely I believe we have a lot of successful apostate churches mm. that are not defending truth, are not equipping um churchgoers and not, not equipping the body, the bride, you know, and so we see the effects of that spread out across this country because remember the purpose of the church is for the equipping of the saints for Mm -hmm. the work of ministry. Mm -hmm. So that means what is supposed to happen is that we are supposed to, as the church gather together, we are supposed to be strengthened, encouraged and equipped. And then we take that equipping and we're supposed to go out into the world. Mm -hmm. So if you have people who gather Yes, they are gathering on a Sunday, but they are not receiving that kind of strengthening and equipping, but then turning around and going back out. Then we just see what they didn't get when they go back out, yeah. that they, they didn't get what they needed to live a devoted life to Jesus Christ. And so I think that's what we're seeing in the United States of America. But let me say this, though. Um, the promise of the Lord Jesus Christ that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church are firm and fixed. <laughs> and so so even with what we see happening, it should not discourage us. We should be very hopeful yeah. that the Lord is building his church. He is purifying the church. Do you understand that it would be unkind for so many people to just be sort of like in this deluded state that they think that they are the Lord's and they're not. And so now what we see is we see the church being refined and we see members of the body of Christ being pruned by the Lord Jesus Christ. It becomes more and more evident who are the Lord's mm. and who and who's not. Yeah. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Not going to say even, the, um, you know, the Bible talks about the great falling away. And, and we've talked about that on the program, you know, that you would think it, it would look a certain way. Mm-hmm. But there's, you know, even among people who are. Uh, quote unquote church goers there's a falling away you know even inside of the church like people who are still attending uh, and stuff like that and I think man as we uh, as the church have opened up ourselves more and more to the world you know and allow the world to dictate you know what's important and what yes. we should be talking about and what should be the thing that we are you know uh, in, in up in arms about up in arms about like, man, we have ceded ground, you know, mm. within the church to the world, mm-hmm. you know, and I think we have to look at that and say, like, man, do we love the world? And even in our, you know, in our gatherings and, and yes. what we're doing, is it more, does it have more of the aroma of the world mm. or of godliness, you know? Yes. And sometimes when we take an examination and look at it, it's like, man, we look just like them. So. Man. You know, I, I agree that as a remnant, God has a remnant. He has a people reserved for himself. And, and uh, man, and nothing will shake them. You know, yes. nothing will Amen. shake them. Amen. I'm going to say this, going back to this Pew Research, um, this study, this report that really kind of grabbed my attention. I, I want to make sort of like a, 
a concluding statement here. If it's true that 35% of religious people in this country, only 35% of them believe that it's important to pass on their religious convictions to their children. In other words, that we don't really feel inclined to do it. It's because what we have is not that big a deal to us. Mm. If, if it doesn't matter all that much, then we're not like desperate to pass it on. Like, I mean, we might chase people down to make sure they don't let a coupon expire, but we will not tell them that they, there was a day coming where the Lord is going to judge this world. But he has provided for us a way of escape, and it is through that ark of safety, Jesus Christ. Amen. We're out of time. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.